The FAMU Rattlers are your 2023 SWAC champions, and I have three MVPs from the SWAC championship game. Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off doesn't mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with the S and ends with the S. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. In these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stake wager for your business. So that's why people trust LinkedIn to get them the right people for their team faster and for free. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions do apply. We have two topics about the SWAC championship game. We close out the show and open the show with it. At the end, we'll be looking at the SWAC championship standout moments prior, or I guess kind of in the middle of those two things. But prior to that, in segment two, we'll be looking at why basketball money games and football money games, they aren't quite the same. But we kick off today's episode with the MVPs from the SWAC championship game. And shout out to FAMU. They're your 2023 SWAC champions. They did something that my Texas Southern Tigers haven't been able to do for a long time. And if you can read the shirt, that is Beat PV. We haven't been able to do that. Um, I appreciate y'all rolling with me because I'm a little bit under the weather right now. My throat hurts a little bit. My vocal cords ain't all the way there. So I'm trying to conserve my voice. So I appreciate y'all for tuning in. And I wanted to bring you guys the best show that I could under these conditions, right? I mean, I done performed through worst. Uh, that being said, that being said, there was no, there was no ill conditions that could stop FAMU, right? Whether you're looking at their defense, whether you're looking at their offense, I thought that both sides of the ball actually played pretty well. They had their moments where they had to figure some things out, but both sides got that figured out. So I couldn't, I was just too indecisive. I knew who my defensive MVP was, but when it came to the offensive side, I had to go with co-MVPs. Like, I just, we'll get to it and you'll see why. And if you could decide between one of the two, please tell me. But right now, I'll, st- I'll start off with my uh, my defensive MVP, which is Javon Morgan. And I thought that that was the easiest choice of them all. He had two interceptions and FAMU on the day had three, right? So they intercepted Prairie View A&M three times. And actually, PV brought in three different quarterbacks. And every single one of those quarterbacks threw an interception, (laughs) including one in Kenneth Patterson, who threw an interception on his only pass of the day. And part of me feels like that's why they didn't put him back in. Your first pass, you threw an interception. 
we're gonna bring somebody else in but yeah so you look at morgan he had the first two of those interceptions one of those was against patterson and the other one was against trazon conley and we'll get into how crazy this game was but i wasn't able to see the trazon conley one live right but everybody says the the body language the demeanor and just his overall play was completely different after he threw that interception and you got to credit that to javon morgan if his interception if, if morgan's interception had such an impact on conley and how he was able able to perform over that beginning part of the game until he ended up getting injured yeah that's a monumental shift in momentum right so the next ones are terrell jennings and marcus riley now i wasn't able to pick which one of the two i wanted so i said screw it I'm going with co-MVPs. Like, I just, I just, I didn't know who I felt was more deserving between Marcus Riley and then also Terrell Jennings. Because when you look at Jennings, Jennings had a great day. And I could say a lot of the same things about both of these players, but I'm going to try to make sure that I don't just regurgitate the same thing in a receiver format versus a running back format. But Terrell Jennings, for me, it was his first 100-yard game of the season and he showed up as a true bell cow he had 17 carries the next closest person was eight carries and that was will hoyt and will hoyt had all of his eight carries when fam you was just running the clock out with their backup running back so if you take him out of the mix you have jennings at 17 and then you have yant at four that's the drastic difference and he really and I think they have a couple of good backs. I actually like FAMU's running backs more than I hear other people talk about. I don't like them as much as their wide receivers, so maybe that's why they're not discussed as much. But I do actually like their running backs, and Jennings is one of the ones that I am a fan of. But he was clearly the feature back in this game, and he started off the scoring. He ended the scoring. So he had the first touchdown, which was a one-yard goal line punch in. And then he also had a 33-yard touchdown, which was a little bit longer of a run. But then he had multiple runs in between where he showed his power, his ability to drive through contact. I thought he had an overall great day. Capped off with two touchdowns. That makes it look even better. But even without those touchdowns, I thought he had a really good day just on a carry-by-carry -carry basis. Then you go to Marcus Riley. And Marcus Riley is funny because I highlighted both Riley and Shereed in our pregame preview, right? Or our, our SWAC championship game preview. That's a better way to put it. But I, I looked at that duo and was like, hey, Shereed had the big day last time. But you got to understand that both Shereed and Riley are able to go off in a manner similar to how Shereed went off on October 28th. So instead of it being Shereed this time, it ended up being Riley. And he had an even better game. Riley had the first 100-yard game by a receiver in FAMU or for FAMU in 2023. So this was the similarity where Jennings had his first 100-yard game. So did Riley. Riley had one touchdown, but they really tried to use Riley. They tried a, a, a pass with him. He ran the ball. He caught the ball. He had a couple of receptions that ended at the one. He had a touchdown, and he also had a running play that ended at the one. And 
the ESPN graphic showed this perfectly, in my opinion, because they broke down all four or five of those plays that either were touchdowns or ended at the one or or whatever it may be, right? So he didn't have two touchdowns, but he did have over 100 yards. He had, uh, I think, 132, I believe, on top of my head. So he had over 100 receiving yards. He had himself one touchdown. And then he also set up a couple of other big plays. So Marcus Riley, everything he did wasn't going to show up on the stat sheet. But that's why he's another one of my MVP candidates. You know, it's like my guy J. Cole said, why would I choose between this one and that one when I know that I could have both? And that's how I'm rocking when it comes to Terrell Jennings. And I'm looking at Marcus Riley, co-offensive MVPs. And then I have Javon Morgan on the defensive side. So um, as we keep pushing, we'll get back to the SWAC championship game a little bit later. But we're about to look at why money games in basketball are a little bit different than money games in football as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is the number one place for all of my small business owners. Now, if you're looking at filling a position, LinkedIn is the space that you're supposed to be in, right? And if you're not on LinkedIn, you're failing your company. It's easy. Type in LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. You can use the purple hashtag hiring frame. And from there, you're able to reach out to the over 800 million people that are on LinkedIn. Right. So LinkedIn allows you to see a person's character, allows you to see their resume. And when I say character, I mean things as in just personality traits, per, you know, just things that could make your team either break or elevate to the next level. Because those things are just as important as the qualifications, especially in small businesses that come around a little bit more like a, a family aspect. Right. So go to LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That is LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day and don't forget that Locked On Sports Today has the first ever 24-7 podcast stream. So that means no matter if it's 4 in the morning or 4 in the afternoon, you are able to check out a podcast right now. Literally, as soon as I stop talking, you can go check one out. It's on right now. But um, I appreciate y'all rocking with me, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm getting through it, but it is, it's, it's getting me, man. It's getting me. I'm not going to lie to y'all. But um, basketball money games are different than football money games. Um, and this conversation kind of sparks up because Norfolk State knocked off Virginia Commonwealth. And there was a tweet that went out by somebody. I really don't know who it is, right? And I even heard that the guy might have automated tweets. 
right? Or like a template or something. And basically the tweet was how embarrassing it was to get upset by a team that you paid to come play you. And that team that paid, the team that had the money was Virginia Commonwealth. And they paid Norfolk State to come play this game, okay? Some Norfolk State people took a little bit of an issue when it came to that tweet. Basically saying this isn't a, a, a this isn't a, a an upset, right? This isn't if you just pay attention to Norfolk State and the MEAG, this isn't this, that, and the third. My personal opinion on that is if a team pays you to come play them, they're supposed to beat you. And if they don't, it's an upset. Obviously, this ain't WWE. The script isn't written, right? So just because they pay you to come play. It don't mean that you can't beat them. It's not like, hey, if you beat them, you get a smack on the wrist. You're not supposed to do that. But it's just more so they expect to beat you. Like, and it's not the regular. It, we know the difference. I'm paying you to come play. For many teams, they view that as a warm-up, as a, a tune-up. So when you do win that game, to me it's an upset because – you're not really given a chance in those situations a lot of times. And there's nothing wrong with being a team that pull off an upset. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't find that as an insult. I don't look at that as being belittled. I don't look at that as being viewed as lesser competition. I just look at it as for what it is. A team paid me to come play, expecting to beat me. I beat them. It's an upset, right? So that's my way of looking at it ever so simply. But obviously, that's not the end of the segment. We're going to keep pushing. Um, Basketball money games are just different to me because, first off, I had to look at where Virginia Commonwealth was as far as conference. And they're in the Atlantic 10. I'm like, bro, what is that? And they're in a conference with Richmond. So I can only assume that if they had a football team, which they don't, they would be in a CAA with Richmond or at least in some other FCS uh, competition. They wouldn't even be able to offer a money game to an HBCU. They wouldn't, right? That's one way that they're different. But then the other way is you see teams that you pay or pay you to come play them. I feel like those losses happen more regularly in basketball than they do football. I feel like money games in football, if you win, it's like, bro, what? Like you're just mind blown. Of course, you always feel like, oh, you can compete X, Y, and Z. But at the same time, I just feel like, games money games and football they just don't go well they, they're ugly money games and basketball can be closer competition i also just feel like the parody is a little bit different in basketball than it is football and this comes with an an march madness topic or debate or whatever you want to call it just a, a a hot take that i have i don't care what you want to call it i think that if hbcus were given 10 seeds and 11 seeds you would see much more success. I think that HBCUs being a 64, right? Like we're looking at a 64-team tournament, and sometimes you're the 16 seed. That means you're probably between 60 and 64, you know? Maybe even lower if you're talking about the, the, the play-in segments, right? So you have to look at it from that point of view just as much as them losing because i think context is important 
So when you're looking at, oh, HBCUs getting bounced in the first round, well, yeah, because they're losing to arguably the top four teams in the country, right? The best team does not always win March Madness. They don't because it's just crazy sometimes. It just, it just doesn't happen. So I think that sometimes losing in those March Madness, March Madness tournaments leads people to think, oh, you can't compete with X, Y, and Z. No, we see this in the regular season. The same way that I saw Norfolk State knock off Virginia Commonwealth, Sunday I saw Southern knocked off the 21st-ranked team in the nation, Mississippi State. Yeah, you heard me right. I didn't say that Southern knocked off their SWAC comp- uh, opponents or, or divisional rivals. Like, I didn't say they knocked off Mississippi Valley State. I said that Southern knocked off Mississippi State. The Southern Jaguars defeated the number 21 team in the nation, Mississippi State Bulldogs. I've seen Texas Southern knock off Florida, right? Like I've seen Grambling knock off, I think it was Arizona State last year. Like I've seen SWAC teams win in the SWAC Pac-12 Legacy Series. I've seen these things happen multiple times, right? It's not like just once I've seen it. I've given you three examples right there of SWAC schools knocking off Power 5 opponents. It's a little bit different when it comes to money or when it comes to basketball. These money games simply are different because I think that you see more competition. You see a more competitive game between these schools that would be FCS in the football realm but they're mid-majors in basketball, and when they're going against other mid-majors or they're going against Power 5 teams, sometimes they can win these games. And I'm not trying to sit here and lie to you and say that SWAC schools might play, or MEAC or however you want to say, let's say HBCUs, right? Division One HBCUs. They might play 10 Power 5 teams in their out-of-conference schedule. That feels a little bit steep. Let's say five. They might, pay, they might play five Power 5 teams in their out-of-conference schedule. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you they win in four of them. That doesn't happen. But they can get a victory, and that's the difference. Almost to the point where I'll tell you this. If Southern Southern just knocked off the 21st best team in the country, right? That's Mississippi Valley State. I mean, excuse me, that's Mississippi State. So Southern just knocked off the 21st ranked Mississippi State Bulldogs in college basketball. If Southern were to knock knock off unranked Mississippi State in football, I'd be more surprised. That's a perfect description of how basketball money games are different than football money games. One just comes with a little bit more shock when the victory happens. Um, And that's not to say I'm not surprised or not. it's not a big deal. It's just they're not the same. They're not on the same playing field. But as we move forward, we're going to look back at the SWAC championship game and go kind of all over the place because I do want to take a look at some of the standout moments, including a shout-out to you as the fans as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, if you thought that the Green Bay Packers are going to pull off that upset that my guy Jay Love was going to be able to play as well as he did in the and that the Packers were going to be able to de- defeat the Chiefs, excuse me. Then you probably made a whole bunch of money if you was on FanDuel. And if you had the $5 money line bet and you're new to FanDuel, 
then that means that you got $150 back in bonus bets. Now, ain't that good for you? Now, maybe you haven't taken that opportunity. Maybe you haven't taken that chance yet. Well, you have the Packers. No, you have the Jaguars versus the Bengals tonight. So you have another chance for the $5 money line bet. You got the NBA in-season tournament coming around. All of those things are on the horizon. So it's on you to take advantage of it. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And if you're new to FanDuel and you win a $5 money line bet, you get $150 back in bonus bets. As we're closing out today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. And I wanted to go through some SWAC championship standout moments. Now, this game was everywhere. I'll be honest with you. This game was just all over the place from the, the weather delay, right? And then I was sitting here on ESPN2 watching whatever the heck they were playing. And I'm like, gosh, this weather delay is taking forever. Only for me to go scroll on my phone, open up that blue app, or I guess it's not really blue no more, but to open up X, as they like to call it, um, to find out that the game had already restarted. They just moved channels. I look down, bottom right corner of my TV. I said, oh, it does say it moved. But I was just sitting over here doing whatever. I was sitting here doing whatever, keeping one eye out, just to be sure, like, okay, they ain't changed over to the game. So this game was all over the place, right? So I think I deserve to have my last topic to be all over the place, too. You have Trazon Conley, who had an injury. Um, and I thought his injury changed the whole complexion of the game. It wasn't early enough to where I could say, oh, PV would have won. But his injury took what was a tough challenge because they were already down big. It was a tough challenge and made it feel nearly impossible. And when Chris Herring came in, the offense was different. You knew anytime they needed to pass the ball, it wasn't going to work. If you got them into a third and long, you won. They were going to punt. Right? Like, things were just completely and drastically different. I did think that Heron brought a little bit of energy to the point where, fam, you were struggling to corral him. When he came into the game and he was running all around from a quarterback position, so he would drop back, look, and he would take off. So it wasn't even quarterback draws. It wasn't anything like that. It was just a quarterback running. You could tell that FAMU wasn't all the way there. But when FAMU did have a third and long or forced him into a third and long, it was done for Anytime they won first down, it was done for, right? Um, so that was one thing I thought completely changed the, the complexion of the game. Then the next thing I wanted to look at was FAMU's last drive. And I loved FAMU's last drive because they got the ball with 8.53 left on the clock. So basically nine minutes, and they never gave the ball back. Despite having the ball with nine minutes left, they then dripped Every single second off of the clock, they got the ball with 8.53 and ended it with kneel downs to close out the game. And it's not as if they needed to bleed the clock. It was 35-14. That was the final score. And I think it's funny. 
my friend's stepdad over the weekend actually asked me. It was Friday Friday night. He asked me. He said, "What you think about this PV Fam U game? I think it's gonna be. I told him I think it's gonna be about a twenty point win. End up being twenty one. That's one of my best times being right. But um, yeah, like I just I thought it was gonna be a little closer than last time, and it was. It was just slightly closer. Instead of forty five seventeen, it was thirty five fourteen. So PV scored an extra touchdown, and that was without that last touchdown was without Trayzon Conley." And it was Ahmad Antoine um, who ended up having who ended up having a good day or a, a big play. Excuse me. So you had that. Where was I going with that? I'm trying to think. Um, oh, but the game was already over, right? So it was 35-14. And from there, I'm looking like you could give the ball back, but you didn't. And that was impressive. Not every team has the ability to, to drip nine minutes off the clock and never get the ball back. Not every team has that ability, you know, and I understand that Will Hoyt was that running back and he probably won't be the running back. So I don't know if it's translatable like or transferable. Like, I don't know, but I do know that I was impressed by them never giving the ball back and having a long drive that ran off nine minutes. They had a five minute drive earlier in the game. That was their longest drive up to that point, And that was a good drive. But this is just another kind of sign of FAMU's ability to run the ball. I thought that Terrell Jennings showed that well when he was actually running the ball in times that quote-unquote mattered, right, when the game was still in the balance. But then Will Hoy did it when they could just drip off the clock and say we're not even going to give PV another chance to touch the ball. And then the last thing that I wanted to highlight was a standout moment to me was seeing all the fans out there. Despite the weather delays, the time that it took, I don't know when this game ended. I think this game must have took at least four hours from when it was supposed to come on. Like it was supposed to come on at three o'clock. I want to say this, man, I want to say this game didn't end until 7.30, right? Like that's an hour longer than, a little over an hour longer than most games are going to be. This was, this was tough. This was tough. And shout out to everybody who stayed out there in the rain with their ponchos and all of that, because that's not something to take lightly. I've seen people poking at, the, the attendance numbers, I personally could care less about attendance numbers. I don't think I've ever talked about attendance numbers on here. That's not something that moves me in the slightest. But when I saw the people who were out there, oh, I have talked about attendance numbers when it came to Eddie George. But take that out the equation because that was about a much larger point, right? But just overall attendance, I don't, don't really move me. Don't really move me. So, oh, they have 14,000 as opposed to However many, right? I could care less, dude. I could care less. But to every one of those 14,000 that was there and stayed through all of the bad weather, stayed through those delays, four and a half hours is a long time to be at a football game. Shout out to all those PV fans. And I know you'll never hear me say this again. So listen close when I say it right now. Shout out to all those PV fans who drove out there, endured the weather. When the game wasn't going your way, you didn't leave. And you were able to see what was an, a, a pretty good game at moments. So shout out to them. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to FAMU for knocking off the Rattlers or for knocking off the Panthers. And now we'll see the Rattlers in Atlanta against the Howard Bison. And we'll really start doing our preview for that in next week. But on tomorrow's episode, we'll be looking at a little bit of transfer portal news because a lot of prominent players entered the transfer portal. So we'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode. In the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other, family, 
Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.